Thanks, Zach. Appreciate that. I just want to say uh, what a pleasure it is to work with our staff. They are just uniquely talented, and Zach's one of our recent hires, too, and what a great thing that has been. And just glad for where we're headed, and glad that we all together in this room, we get to be a, a part of that. I want to say thank you, too, to our uh, chapel kids staff and volunteers, our chapel youth staff and our volunteers there, and how they provide the yellow part of that partnership in helping our kids grow closer to God. But I also want to thank you as families and parents and grandparents and aunts and uncles, or if you have any influence in a child's life, thank you for being the red component as together we come and make that orange experience a reality in our kids' lives. All right? We're, in the, we're studying the book of Acts, and thank you for being here. And we're going to be looking in just a few moments at chapter... 15, if you want to turn there. But uh, what I want to do is, actually, you know, you've ever been in a conversation with somebody and they're telling you about a book or they're telling you about a movie and then they tell you how it ends and you wish they would have said spoiler alert. Uh, I'm going to give you a spoiler alert here for the service. I'm going to tell you how we're going to end, what we're going to end with. And it's simply in these words and you'll see it in a little while. It's this, by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. Simply put, that's how we teach it here in this room. That's what we teach in our kids' hallway. That's what we teach in our youth ministry. That's what we hope you as families will teach at home, providing that orange experience. By grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. And I said that so simply, but it's not always been simply understood. Before we get to Acts chapter 15, let me just give you a little brief history. If you go back to the very early centuries, that was not so understood. Way back, way back, there were arguments about theology. Well, I guess there's arguments about theology today. But back then, it was like, well, I believe Scripture says this, and somebody else says, well, I believe Scripture says this. And the question is, who is right or what is right? And then arguments would, re, would be the result, and there would be disunity. And sometime, sometimes those arguments would become so pronounced that, that the, the leader of the church, whoever that was at the time, the leader of the global church, whoever that was at that time, would call together what was called a council, where he would call together uh, leaders of the church from all over the known world to come and meet and resolve the issue that was in question. Uh, it sounds easier than it was because back then there were no phones, there were no emails, there no, were, were no texts at all. And so sometimes it would take months or even years to finally get everyone together. But eventually they come together to discuss the problem. And there were some serious theological issues. Let me give you a couple of, of examples. Uh, here, the, the First Council of Nicaea. Uh, this is where they finally got to the question of the deity of Christ. There was some false teaching out there, and they, they, they had to arrive at, is Jesus God or not? And, and from this council came the Nicene Creed, which is recited in many churches yet today. There was the first council of Constantinople, where they dealt with the personhood of Christ. Who is Jesus really? God, human, or fully both? Uh, 
the Council of Ephesus, where they, they dealt with the issue of the... Uh, actually, the first one was the, was the issue of the Trinity. This one dealt with the personhood of Christ, and they talked about the idea of original sin. They came together. They regrouped. They had to think through, what do we really believe? I remember when, I was a, when my wife and I were young parents with young children, and sometimes, and maybe this happened in your home, where... Uh, I don't know, the bickering was too much or there was blatant selfishness and we'd have to just bring the kids around the table and we'd have to say, okay, that's not who we are. <laughs> we are a family and this is what we believe. These are our values and this is how we are to behave. And we go on. And sometimes sports teams have to have a, uh, a closed-door meeting where they say, this is, what, this is who we are, this is who we want to be. Or a company has a closed-door meeting. This is not who we've been, this is who we want to be, and, uh, and so on. And so the church found itself having to do that from time to time. Now, the, the, the most important council that was ever held, or at least the most foundational council that was ever held, was called the Council of Jerusalem. And this first council of all councils dealt with a critical issue we're going to get to in this message. Now, we know a lot about this council because it's talked about in the book of Acts. And so pivotal is this first council of Jerusalem, such a turning point in the history of the church that we even changed the graphics on your worship bulletin and on the screen. Do you remember before it was just all dark? Now it's, it's brand new, it's light, it's, it's, it's a turning point in the life of the church. So here we go, chapter 15. But before we look at chapter 15, let me just give you a brief review of where we've been in the book of Acts. We started with chapter 1, the very last words of Jesus. You remember these. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, Jesus says. And you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. From nearby to far away, you will be my witnesses. And so the, the church was given birth in Jerusalem, and many people who were the first Christians came out of the Jewish experience, Jewish traditions, Jewish heritage, and all the Mosaic law and all of that. We'll get into that. But eventually, as you go through the book of Acts, you get like to chapter 8 on the heels of persecution. Now the gospel is being shared with Gentiles, who are the non-Jews, right? And after chapter 8, the Gentile world begins to hear about Christ and more and more people become Christians. You get to chapter 11 and the church finds it, its way all up to the church, up to the, uh, I'm kind of hidden in there, there I am. Uh, how do I go? Oh, there I am right there. So, right, so the, the church of Antioch, you see it 300 miles north of Jerusalem, it's the third largest city in the world, in the Greco-Roman world at that time, and the church grows there, and in the church are, are many Gentiles, we read. And then out of this church in Antioch, the first missionaries are sent in chapter 13. Barnabas and Paul are sent to uh, it's a region called Galatia, which is southwestern Turkey today. And there they spread the news of Jesus Christ and many more Gentiles, non-Jewish people, become Christians. And you would think this is really exciting. Not so much. Well, let me show you what, 
what happens at the very end of chapter 14, just before we get to chapter 15. Upon arriving in Antioch, that is, Paul and Barnabas come back to the church that sent them out as missionaries. They called the church together and reported everything God had done through them and how he had opened the door of faith to the Gentiles too, and they stayed there with the believers for a long time. So they're telling stories of how Gentiles over in Galatia, southwest Turkey today, are becoming Christians. Many Gentiles everywhere becoming Christians. Yes, and you would think everybody's excited, but that's not the case. Because remember, the church started in Jerusalem, and many people were of Jewish faith who now had become Christians, and their concern was, hey, Christianity used to be this sect, little sect of Judaism, and now it's expanded throughout the known world, and uh, we are being overwhelmed with their numbers, and not only that, we are being overlooked, all of our traditions. And that takes us to chapter 15, verse 1, which reads like this. When Paul and Barnabas were at Antioch at Syria, some men from Judea, that is Christ followers who, with a Jewish background, men from Judea, arrived and began to teach the believers, began to teach the Gentile believers there. What do you think they taught them? Here we go. Unless you are circumcised as required by the law of Moses, you cannot be saved. What? Now let's remember, these are people with a Jewish tradition who honored the Mosaic law of which circumcision was a part. Now, on this Orange Weekend, let me just say this. You families at home, you can talk about the physical, medical aspects of circumcision with your kids. I'm not going to do that. What I'm going to do is take the yellow part of it and talk about the theological implications and the challenge that were presented to the spread of the gospel at that time. Circumcision was important to the Jewish people. It was, it was a symbolic mark representing an, a genuine internal faith in God. Circumcision was never meant to save somebody, although here they're adding it on saying, yes, to be saved you must be circumcised. To be in the family of God you must be circumcised. And what I want us to think about and where we'll end up is circumcision is sort of a metaphor for today. What are the things that we believe need to be added on to the gospel of Jesus Christ in order for us to be made right with God and to be saved? I've told this story before, so forgive me. But when I was age 20, I think God was just trying to get my attention. Even though I was raised in the church, I really wasn't sure of God and how to have a relationship with God, but I gradually wanted that. And so I took a trip out to Montana to visit a friend, sat on the side of a mountain, and I said, God, if you are real, show me who you are. And let me just say as a sidebar, if you are seeking today, if you're not sure if God is in your life, you don't know what it means to know Christ, I would say that is the best prayer you could possibly pray, because God will always, always answer the earnest prayer, God if you're real, show me who you are. And it was just three months later that a good friend of mine shared with me how I could have a personal relationship with God through faith in Jesus Christ. And that's what I did. I put my trust in Christ, and I became a Christian. It was some months, maybe a couple years later, I was hanging out with some Christian friends. And there was this one Christian guy who he meant well. He was genuine. Eventually I understood he was genuinely wrong. 
But he said, unless I have a particular experience, I've really not arrived yet in the Christian life. Now, I'm not going to go into what that experience was. That would just sidetrack us. But let me tell you how I felt. I felt like I had not yet arrived yet. I felt like I was really not yet in the family of God. I wasn't really sure if I was a Christian. Have you ever, have you ever bought something? Or, or getting ready to buy something, and then all of a sudden you read the fine print. And you say, wait a minute, I thought I was supposed to get this and this and this, and the salesperson says, read the fine print. Wait, I was supposed, I was supposed to uh, uh, be able to have this opportunity, and then and the salesperson says, no, read the fine print. And, and that's the way I felt when my friend, this guy, told me that I had not yet arrived yet. I felt like I had not. I, I felt like he was showing me the fine print. I still need to do this and this and this. And so these men from Judea show up and say, unless you are circumcised as required by the law of Moses, you cannot be saved. You thought you were in the family of God? You thought you were saved? Nope, not yet. Read the fine print. And so I can imagine the conversation that the, that the Gentile believers at the church of Antioch had with Paul and Barnabas, who had spent some time with them. Paul and Barnabas, we've got a problem. You've told us all along that all we need to do is to put our trust in Jesus, and we would become Christians. We would become members of the family of God, embraced by God. But now these guys come along and say we need to do this and, and do this. And what's the story? Are we Saved or not? <laughs> Fine print can create confusion. And so, Paul and Barnabas disagreed with them, arguing vehemently. Now, it's never right to be argumentative. The wise person knows when to argue. And here, Paul and Barnabas decide to argue for what is true and right. But the argument goes nowhere. And finally, the church decided to send Paul and Barnabas to Jerusalem, 300 miles away, accompanied by some local believers to talk to the apostles and elders about this question. Verse 3 simply tells us that on the way, they're talking about Christ all on the way, what God is doing in the lives of Gentiles. We get to verse 4. Finally, they arrived in Jerusalem. Barnabas and Paul were welcomed by the whole church, including the apostles and the elders. And they reported everything God had do, done them. And you can imagine the party they had as they realized that this, this seminal thought of Jesus dying on the cross for our sins has now spread all the way to Galatia to the known world. My, must have been a party. But there were party poopers there too. But then some of the believers who belonged to the sect of the Pharisees stood up and insisted. Now, the sect of the Pharisees, this is the same group, the men of Judea, who came and said, you've got to be circumcised. So what's their message? Here we go. The Gentile converts must be circumcised and required to follow the law of Moses. That's their message. Now, these guys are Christians, but they come out of a Jewish background, so we understand. But what they're saying is, if you're not, if you, if you're not obeying the Mosaic law, you're not saved. Read the, read, the fine, read the fine print. And so now, here comes the Council of Jerusalem, A.D. 50. So the apostles and the elders met together to resolve this issue. Again, what is the issue? 
How was a person saved? How was a person truly brought into the family of God? And, and I would imagine all of the, the apostles and elders there had a seat at the table. We don't know all who spoke, but we do know, we do have record of four people who stood up and said something. And the first one is Peter. And Peter says, or, or it goes, at the meeting, after a long discussion, Peter stood and addressed them as follows. Brothers, you all know that God chose me from among you some time ago to preach to the Gentiles, the non-Jews, so that they could hear the good news and believe. Peter, a Jewish guy, is referring back to Acts chapter 10 when he goes to speak with Cornelius and his family who are Gentiles, and they receive the Holy Spirit evidence that they believed in Jesus Christ. Now I'm going to show you several things that Peter said that are theologically so important. I'm just going to isolate them out for you. Here we go. Peter says, God knows people's hearts and he confirmed that he accepts Gentiles by giving them the Holy Spirit just as he did to us. In other words, God shows no favoritism between Jews and non-Jews, anybody. Peter goes on, he made no distinction between us and them for he cleansed their hearts through faith. Whether you're Jew or non-Jew, you can be forgiven. You can be cleansed of your sins simply through faith. He goes on. So why are you now challenging God by burdening the Gentile believers with a yoke that neither, neither we nor our ancestors were able to bear? A, a yoke was a big, heavy, wooden thing you would put on animals that would weigh them down. And the yoke he is speaking of here is the Mosaic Law, essentially saying we, even as Jews who honored the Mosaic Law, we couldn't even keep the law. And the reality is, as Paul makes clear in one of his letters, the Old Testament law, the Mosaic law, all 613 laws were never meant to save anybody. They were simply meant to point to our need for a Savior, which was fully recognized when Jesus arrived. And so now Peter brings it to conclusion. We believe that we are all saved the same way by undeserved grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. It is because of God's grace that we are saved through Christ. And Peter is done. And now it's time for Paul and Barnabas to say, stand up and say a word. And I can imagine they were thinking all along as Peter's talking, amen, amen, this is absolutely true. And then we read, everyone listen quietly as Barnabas and Paul said, uh, quietly as Bar Barnabas and Paul told about the miraculous signs and wonders God had done through them among the Gentiles. That's all we know from, about Paul and Barnabas. We, we don't know their exact words. But, but here's what I'm, I'm guessing. There's evidence that Paul had already, before this occasion, had already written his letter to the Galatians. And I wonder if in this setting, at this Council of Jerusalem, Paul kind of excerpted from his letter to the Galatians one little line. And I want to show it to you. For when we place our faith in Jesus Christ, there is no benefit in being circumcised or being uncircumcised. What is important is faith expressing itself in love. And we'll come back to that, faith expressing itself in love in a few moments. But do you see what he's saying there? Circumcision, uncircumcision, nothing. What matters is faith, faith alone. So now Paul is done, Barnabas is done, Peter's done. Now James, the half-brother of Jesus, stands up, and he is the leader of the church, and he's going to bring this thing to a conclusion. When they finished, James stood and said, Brothers, listen to me. Peter has told you about the time God first visited the Gentiles to take them, to take the Gentiles 
from them, from a people for himself. And this conversion of Gentiles is exactly what the prophets predicted. We won't time, take time to read it, but then he quotes from the, from the prophet Amos, where Amos simply says that it was God's plan all along to bring Jews and non-Jews together in faith through Christ. And then James says, and so my judgment... <laughs> As the leader of the church, the universal church, it is my judgment, it is my ruling that we should not make it difficult for the Gentiles who are turning to God. Oh man, I love easy, not difficult. (laughs) I love simple, not complex. How about you? So does James. Let's not make it difficult. Let's not add on to them. Let's not add on to anybody more than what Scripture teaches. And what does Scripture teach us? And here we are, by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, period, there is no fine print whatsoever. If grace is not free, it is not free. (laughs) If grace is not free, it is not grace. And faith is the means, and Christ is the object of our faith, period. A favorite author of mine wrote a simple little book called An Anchor for the Soul. His name is Ray Pritchard. And in the book, he asks the question, what would heaven be like if you had to earn your way there? And then he goes on and say, I'll tell you what it would be like. It would be like one of those $500 per plate political dinners where everybody stands around and brags about how much they gave to get their client, their, their candidate elected. Well, I gave $500. I gave $1,000. I gave $5,000. Move over, buddy. I gave $10,000. And then somebody says, you, you guys are all pipsqueaks. I gave $50,000. Heaven would be like that if we had to earn or climb or scratch our way there. Well, I gave a million dollars to the church. No, really, I gave a million dollars to the church. I'm, I'm kidding. I didn't give a million dollars to the church. But somebody might say that. I gave a million dollars to the church. I helped build the church. I helped in the children's ministry. I was baptized. I was confirmed. I went on a missions trip. I served in this way. I served in that way. I helped people across the street. I was a good citizen. I was involved in my community. I was a great dad. I was a great mom. All of these things we could brag about. Or maybe in some circles, I was a Republican. I'm an American. Or I'm a Democrat. I believe in justice. Or maybe in Jewish circles, I was circumcised. (laughs) I did my best to obey the Mosaic law. Wouldn't that be something if we spent eternity bragging about how we got there? It sounds more like hell. And all of those things might be good in their own way, perhaps. But none of us will ever be good enough to make our way to heaven. We all fall short. Jesus Christ died on the cross and paid entirely for our salvation. It is completely by God's grace. And no matter how good you've been in life, and I'll bet you have, God's grace is for you. Or no no matter how bad you've been in life, where you've been or what you've done, God's grace is for you. 
And now we are simply called to place our faith, our trust in Jesus alone. No fine print. So where does that leave us? With two things. We can rest. Oh my goodness. Jesus said, Jesus said at one point, Come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest for your souls. And he was speaking to those who were burdened by the Mosaic Law. Nobody can keep that perfectly. Just come to me. Just come to me. The other day I was with somebody young, and they're searching out the Christian life. And every now and then I'll use this illustration that I know it might be familiar to you. I'll say it again because I think it's worth hearing. All of the religions of the world are spelled D-O. I don't care if it's Buddhism, Hinduism, Shintoism, Islam, uh, animism, did I say that? Whatever your made-up theology is, all of them are spelled the same way, D-O. Where I have to do enough to earn my way to God, whoever that God is. The, the problem is you never know if you're doing enough. It's like, it's like a salesperson being told to meet a quota, but never being told what the quota is, what a dead-end road that would be. True Christianity. What we're talking about today is spelled completely differently. It's D-O-N-E, where God has done for us through Christ what we could never do for ourselves. It is by God's grace, through faith in Christ. That's what we teach here, and that's what we hope you'll teach at home. The second thing would be this, is love. And we quoted this earlier from Paul's letter. What is important is faith expressing itself through love. We, we, we don't have time to look at James's final words to the Gentile believers. He told them it is by faith through Christ. It is by grace through faith in Christ alone. But then he goes on to say, you know, we, 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 we come from different backgrounds. In this room here, we are united around the cross of Christ. We believe it is by God's grace, through faith in Christ alone. But we all kind of bring into this room our different traditions, our different heritages, our different backgrounds. We're different. And that time sometimes can create disunity. <laughs> it can create confusion. Let's remember what's the most important thing. And love each other through its differences. Let's do this. Let's do whatever love requires of us. Because if we are not showing love, maybe our faith is not genuine. So, let's end the way we began. By grace alone. Through faith alone. In Christ alone. Let's pray. And now, God, thank you um, for the, the free... For the, that we can rest in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Nothing in my hands I bring. Simply to the cross I cling. Now God, help us to love each other through our differences and celebrate the, uni the unity we have in Christ. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We're going to close with... Um, a song that says, this I believe. Actually, I'm going to encourage you to go ahead and exit as they play. It's called This I Believe. And let me just say, too, if you're able to help out with the Habitat build, 
on August 20. It's going to be a wonderfully fun morning. Just stop by the, the, worship, or the uh, Welcome Center, and you can get information there about how to register. We'd love to have you there. That would be awesome. Um, but here we go. This, uh, this, I believe, thank you, worship team. Have a good day.